What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Blazers. I'm your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. We got new draft news today. We got a little free agency pre-speculation talk. And then we'll also catch up on a little bit of news tidbits that I missed over the weekend. But first, I want to remind you guys that today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends' trips. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Also, thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring the whole Locked On Network. If you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, that's this coming Sunday for all y'all who are still uh, still slacking on gifts. But Untuck It would be, a, would be a great option. Their shirts are specifically do- designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com and use the promo code NBA to get 20% off. And finally, today's show is brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Grip6 is an ultra-lightweight belt with no holes and no flap. It's great for Father's Day. Be a great Father's Day gift. So uh, go to grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E to get a special offer waiting for you there. That's grip6.com slash lock. All right. In Blazer land today, a bunch of people that you've never heard of were at the practice facility. Actually, maybe you're an avid college basketball fan. Maybe you have heard of these people. Uh, but the Blazers worked out six guys, uh, guard types today in their 12s and practice facilities, the second of their pre-draft workout. Uh, it sounds like they're going to have at least one and likely two more before the June 20th draft. But today's crew included Stephen Thompson Jr., a 6'4 guard from Oregon State, Kai Bowman, 6'1 point guard from Boston College, Jalen LeCue, a kid who spent a postgraduate year at Brewster Academy and did not go to college, also Shelton Mitchell, 6'4 guard from Clemson, James Palmer, a guard from Nebraska, and Dylan Windler, a 6'7 guard forward wing type from Belmont. Uh... Another one of these pre-draft workouts where it's mostly sort of guys who are fringe fringe draft picks even at all. Um, you know, Windler is the highest guy rated on, on most of those draft boards. If anyone else even makes the list, they're sort of in the mid-second round to the bottom of the second round. And that'd probably be Bowman and LeCue who are who are on that list. Uh, James Palmer shows up a couple places. Steven Thompson, the kid from Oregon State, he's not getting drafted. Uh, Windler is like a, depending on what mocks you look at, he's a he's a first rounder right in the Blazers range or maybe a little bit deeper. But it continues sort of a a trend uh, for the Blazers, which is that it seems more and more when you look at who they bring in. And now we're, we're talking about 12 names. This isn't like a ton of data. And we don't know exactly who they saw um, when they went to all those camps hosted by agents. They went to about five of them. Uh, prior to starting these pre-draft workouts, but it, it just seems like the Blazers are preparing to make second-round picks despite not having a second-round pick and holding the 25th pick in the draft. Now, if they do decide to make the pick, I think, I guess, from what I understand, like I've said, I think this time of year a lot of people pretend to be draft experts. I don't watch enough college basketball um, to to say that I'm an expert. I did see Dylan Windler play one game in the NCAA tournament. I think he had 31, maybe 34 against Maryland. But he seems like obviously the best of the bunch. He's like a 20 and 10 guy in college. He shot above 42% each of his last two seasons. Uh, 
Obviously, Belmont is a, is a, a lower-tier school. You're not playing the best of the best. I think that he played against four or five of the Power 5 teams or, like, schools from Power 5 conferences in his uh, college career. But he did have nine 30-point games as, as a senior. Any dude who can score like that in college is probably uh, probably worth considering, even if you don't get excited about him. And the funniest thing that I found about Dylan Windler when I was doing some quick, quick research today, other than watching a bunch of highlight tapes where he never misses a shot is that he told reporters in Philadelphia when he worked out for the Sixers that he's already gained 10 of to 12 pounds since he left college. Now, this is really a time of year where fat guys are slimming down and skinny guys are getting jacked. And uh, I love anytime someone talks about some sort of dramatic weight loss or dramatic weight gain at these pre-draft workouts because most reporters have never seen these dudes before and you could pretty much say your body type changed in any way. And the rolling cameras at various NBA practice facilities will say, great, yep, that dude gained six inches on his vertical and grew a third arm. But beyond those jokes, I think the the thing to take away uh, from this, from another afternoon in, in Twelton is that the Blazers are not, the Blazers are not doing the things that teams do if they were really hunting guys in that range like it doesn't seem like the Blazers have a group of 10 guys in 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 the middle 20s range in this draft who are going to be there around 25 and they're going to bring all of them in give them you know give them some time to meet with people and all those type of things this seems kind of like the Blazers are working out at you know they're going to work out two or three or four guys who are right in their range they've seen a bunch of tape on other guys they've seen these other guys if they were want to trade up, which I think is a very unlikely scenario, but if you know they've seen those other guys at the free agent workouts, and now they're just getting a handful on sort of people on the fringe. If they trade way back in the draft, who's going to be there? Who do they like? If they're going to sign guys for free agents for summer league stuff, if they're doing things like that, I think I, I just don't think I think they have a bad pick and a bad draft, and they're not super super excited, super aggressive in their uh, approach to using it. I don't think anything changed with this group today. Uh, it's hard for me to, I mean, maybe they bring in another guard. Maybe they add, maybe they add a guard to the end of the bench. They, they had mostly bigs, I guess, at the end of their bench and neither Gary Trent or uh, Anthony Simons are true point guards, but it just doesn't seem like um, any of these people are strong, are under strong consideration by this team. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, they'll probably be starting another NBA draft workout or pre-draft workout, excuse me, at, at the, at the practice facility on Tuesday, so maybe we'll get some more data points by then. But so far, we don't know anything. The only thing we see is, or the only thing we know is that it, it, it the we haven't there haven't been a ton of guys come through here that are in the Blazers draft range. So far, I think there's been two by my count that are could be legitimate options at 25. It doesn't seem like a team that's uh, seems like a team that's looking to move back. Looking to get out. All indications are they've surprised us before. They might surprise us again. In the next segment, uh, I want to talk about sort of what is on the the tips of everyone's tongue, and that is free agency and the draft and 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 the trades that are going to happen around the draft. The big player movement of the biggest fish in the league, and what that looks like. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys that you can get this podcast on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. It's available in Google Play and also on the Apple App Store. 
it's got all your favorite podcasts you're already listening to, including all of the podcasts in the Lockdown Network. So it's free to use. It's free to download, easy to use. So get on there today. And while you're there, download Lockdown Blazers. Uh, Himalaya app has a lot of great features. They curate playlists, or you can create your own, either by episode or by uh, podcast itself. If you get your friends on there too, you can check out what they're listening to and discover new stuff that way. So download the Himalaya app today and subscribe to Lockdown Blazers while you're there. All right. We discussed the most boring news, which is which player, which bad college basketball players worked out in suburban Portland. Now we'll talk about some news that only tangentially relates to the Blazers, but it is exciting if you follow the NBA. So here we go. It's 10 days till the NBA draft. Nine when you're listening to this. It's, it is time for the rumor mill to heat up. Or, or whatever does, start turning. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that analogy works. But Adrian Wojnarowski wrote today uh, on ESPN.com that basically the demand from Clutch Sports and Anthony Davis hasn't changed. The He still wants to get traded from the Pelicans. The Zion Williamson situation means nothing to him. He wants out. And David Griffin, 10 days ahead of the draft, is basically starting to inform teams of what the draft, what they want ahead of the draft, what types of compensation the Pelicans would want for Anthony Davis. So according to Woj, uh, Griffin is pursuing a combination of assets that include an all-star player, a young player with all-star potential, and two first-round picks. Yeah, no shit. Um, That's what everyone wants when they trade a star player. Whether that specific package is available, I don't know. What does this have to do with the Blazers, you ask? You know, a little bit, a little bit of stuff. Um, the other, I think, note that that Woj puts in there, and this is how I'll tie it back to the Blazers, or I think at least pertains to the Blazers. It pertains to the Blazers because if uh, a player of his caliber moves out of the West or to another team in the West, it certainly affects them. But we can even get more granular than that. You know we will. Uh, but, but Woj basically reports is that the success of Kawhi Leonard in Toronto and also Paul George... Uh, Staying in Oklahoma City has given has has emboldened smaller markets. That's that's Woj's word to um to maybe make a push for Anthony Davis. Now, maybe those those two little nuggets that the that uh, New Orleans is looking for a All Star caliber player, uh, which the Blazers get the closest they can get is CJ McCollum, right? A young player who with the potential to be an All Star. Not sure that player is on the roster, but. Uh, Zach Collins is least intriguing. Anthony Simons is 20, or not yet 20. Two first-round picks. They can certainly move those if they need to. The Blazers have... I'm not, I don't think they're going to make this move. It would be stunning if they, if they even pushed to make that big splash of a move. But the reasoning that Woj lays out is why I want to bring it up. The Blazers have always operated under that exact reasoning. When they pursued Paul George, and in in a way when they pursued Carmelo Anthony, but mostly when they pursued Paul George two summers ago, the idea was that if he was under contract for a year and they could keep him in a year with with Dame and in, in Terry's program, that they felt like they could convince him to stay. They were fearless of that. 
what they what they don't want to do is bring a, a, a high caliber guy in at the trade deadline and have him only be around the team for 20 days and not really experience it and then and and not get to sort of appreciate what goes on in the day to day and how well um, you know what kind of culture the Blazers have built that you can sort of really uh, appreciate if you're there for the full grind of of the first seven months of the season. So they've never been afraid of of sort of the rental tag. Um, they didn't. The Blazers don't need. They didn't need confirmation from Paul George staying in OKC or Kawhi potentially staying in Toronto necessarily. Um, whether that's rightly or arrogantly or some combination of both, they've always believed that they they could hook a player if they made the trade. So what I'm not doing is saying that the Blazers are likely to go acquire Anthony Davis. In fact, I think their run to the Western Conference Finals proved to the decision makers, um, for the most part, that this is a team that is as close as they've always thought. A team that's right on the cusp and with minor moves, they could push over the top. And whether you think that's right or wrong is kind of beside the point. I, I, I believe that's how they are considering this summer. Not, considering, not, not thinking of a big, massive shakeup and a risk of trading for a high-level player with only a year left on his contract. But why I want to bring Woj's bit of reporting sort of into this is because it's, it is, the Blazers sort of have the assets to make a deal that's appealing. Uh, you know, whether, whether you think trading for CJ McCollum at his current age and contract is a better deal than uh, Jason Tatum might just be preference. Uh, maybe a young team always would rather have a cheaper, more controlled player like Tatum. So uh, th- that's always more valuable. Whatever you think of the Lakers, young players, uh, particularly in relation to any of any of the young guys in the Blazers roster. I mean, it's it's to me, it's pretty clear all those dudes are better than Zach Collins. But you might um, feel differently. But I don't. What I what all all of that is to say, all of that sort of rambling is to say that I'm not sure that the the biggest suitors, the Lakers and the Celtics, uh, and to some extent the Knicks, even though the Knicks have the third pick in the draft, Lakers have the fourth. Um, I'm not sure those teams have necessarily a like a significantly more overwhelming package than what the Blazers hypothetically could put together. The Blazers aren't going to do it, but should you hear their name floated around? And I don't, again, I don't think you will. I think they, they sort of fit the bill to some extent. They kind of fit at least some of the mold of, of, of what reportedly David Griffin is looking for, right? And a team that um, didn't need to be emboldened by uh, Kawhi Leonard's success in Toronto, a guy who has yet to resign, although may, may bring them a championship. So could all be worth it. Ten days away from the draft. we got a whole bunch of fun stuff that's going to happen. Maybe, including an Anthony Davis trade. Perhaps to a big shiny market. Perhaps to a, uh, to a fun team that nobody saw, sees coming. One of these emboldened small markets. Uh, just for the sake of speculation, because I have sort of drummed up this weird Anthony Davis traded to Portland thing and given you like tangible specifics on a trade that I really don't think will happen or be considered. But as long as we're doing that... I think one of the funniest possible destinations is the some sort of Nuggets package where they go all in to get Anthony Davis and pair Davis, Jamal Murray, and Jokic together and see what uh, you know a year of that big three would bring them. 
Now, I can't imagine Anthony Davis re-signing there, but I think it's a really curious landing spot because the the Nuggets have some have some good a bunch of good young players, a stable of good young players. Monty Morris, Gary Harris, they could offer Paul Millsap, a veteran that could help right away. They got draft picks. They have Michael Porter Jr., sort of an unknown. If if you want to take a flyer, it's like the that's the flavor of player teams usually uh, try to trade for the trade for superstars, someone with major upside and a little bit of risk. So yeah, I think the funniest trade the funniest trade partner is Denver getting uh, super involved. Uh, the other thing in, in that Woj reporting, before we move on from this, and I don't think the Blazers fit the bill, which is why I didn't mention it in the first part of the segment, is that uh, because what the Pelicans might want back might not be what either the Lakers or the uh, or the Celtics, specifically those two teams, can offer, there's a chance that a third team gets involved uh, and where where a third team like absorbs Lonzo Ball and gives out a first-round pick for it or, or, or something of that sort, or absorbs Marcus Smart and gives out a pick for it, things like that, to make the money match and to give the Pelicans the assets they'd rather have, um, whether it be you know young players on cheap deals or high-future draft picks or all those things. Ten days. It's going to heat up. We've got a lot of fun. Even if none of the fun is in the Blazers pre-draft workouts, there's a lot of fun around the rest of the league. When we get back, I want to touch on two pieces of news that I missed over the weekend. Stick with me. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. So here's a couple things I missed. I touched on both of these, but they weren't official official yet. They became official official today. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are joining Team USA. Sort of. At least they're going to minicamp in in Las Vegas in August with a chance to make the 2019 USA Men's Basketball World Cup team. So here's who's joining Damian C.J. on that roster. Harrison Barnes, Brad Beal, the aforementioned Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, Eric Gordon, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Paul Millsap, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, P.J. Tucker. Not the brightest of brightest stars. Uh, still some some very good players, obviously. Uh, two MVP types in Davis and Harden. Uh, I think Dame is pretty clearly the third best player of this group, which makes, in my eyes, if he's healthy and interested, he's pretty much a lock to make this team. After he had some weird falling outs with Team USA in the past, it looks like he's he's a he's a darn near lock to make the team. I think CJ McCollum is likely, but he's certainly right on the cusp when you consider the other guards that are there. Brad Beal, Lowry, if he's interested, Kemba Walker, if he wants to do it, Donovan Mitchell. Just kind of depends on what the rest of the roster shakes out with. But I think if Dame wants to go, that fool is in. He will be involved in the program if he wants to be in. Uh, here's how it works. This is a timeline uh, because I didn't know that it was. Uh, I didn't know those. This they're going to play this many games, but they're going to play a blue white exhibition game. Those games are always fun, more competitive than the All Star game. Um, not in this particular group, but usually it's a really high level group. I mean, this is a. These are good players, but um, I'm not sure that Brooke Lopez, Kyle Kuzma, and Paul Millsap are among the league's absolute best. Although they're um, certainly. NBA starters and whatever. 
But they're going to play a, a scrimmage on August 9th in Vegas. Uh, then the following week, they play a uh, exhibition in Los Angeles against Spain. And then the 12-team official roster will be announced on August 17th. So that's like basically a month, exactly one month away from training camp. It's usually when guys take vacations in uh, in the NBA. This is like, that's the money time to do it. Those Because um, everyone reports back around Labor Day. So you take that those 10 days right before September and hit the beach one last time for a long season. So once that 12-team group, so they're at 20 right now. There's eight guys will get cut. That's why I said CJ's on the fringe. Like he, he very well may deserve to get it, and he'll they'll give someone that doesn't over him. But I'm not sure looking at this roster that he's a lock, lock, lock. Dame seems like a lock if he wants to go. So then after they do the cut down, uh, then they go for then they're going to go to Australia and they're going to play a pair of exhibition games in, the, in late August, the 22nd and the 24th. Uh, and then they have uh, maybe a third World Cup. Yeah, a third, a, a third uh, warm-up game in Australia against Canada. Close that bad boy out. And then they head off to China for the games. And the actual tournament runs uh, August 31st to... September fifteenth should be a, should be fun. I mean, uh, it's it's a huge tournament, sixteen teams, and and generally speaking, uh, the non-American teams take this even more seriously. Uh, I don't know if it's always always the case, but generally, you know, um, the best of the best of, of of the non-American guys will will be on their teams. So it should be fun. The other little bit of news. Non-USA news, official, official. I talked about this on the last podcast, but now it's 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 official, and I want to just spend a little bit more time on it because, f- frankly, it, some of the stuff's kind of intangible. But David Vanderpool, Blazers assistant, and a really close relationship with Damian Lillard, also pretty close with CJ McCollum, officially accepted the associate, associate head coach role with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's been on the Blazers staff for seven seasons. Uh, he leaves. Uh, it, this is not a lateral move. I think that would be the wrong way to call it. I'm I'm, sh- I'm certain that the title associate head coach comes with a significant raise from what um, what Vanderpool was DV was being paid uh, with the Blazers. Uh, it also sounds like, and this is some reporting from the Athletic, um, that they want him to kind of be the defensive coordinator. Uh, they want to have a role that. Some NBA staffs have like a defense guy, an offense guy, and then, uh, you know, other player development coaches. But they have two assistants who kind of focus on those things. Uh, the, that's not exactly how the Blazers run it. Like when Jay Triano was on the staff, he was more of the offensive guy. But the Blazers are kind of more open. Everybody does a little bit of everything. They don't have like, they're not that they're not that hyper spo- hyper specific. So while Vanderpool may have great defensive instincts, it wasn't like that was specifically his role. On this Blazer team, but uh, the other thing that says in, uh, in in that athletic article that uh, that I think is is certainly true is that the the T Wolves value Vanderpool's sort of hands on connection with players and his 
ability to develop individual skills, uh, particularly their young guys, Josh Okogie, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Vanderpool has a connection with Wiggins. Vanderpool was an assistant coach on the Canadian national team and has worked with Wiggins in his relation to uh, the Canadian national team. But it was Vanderpool in the gym with Damian Lillard in 2007 when Dame kind of decided, I'm tired of being a bad defender. I got to really spend a summer focusing and improving on that end so I can just be a passable NBA defender. Like, I, I really got to commit to it. Uh, I think that type of relationship, both the relationship to be with a star player all summer and help him focus on and improving a, a known weakness is the type of thing that other teams covet. Uh, so they were willing to to, you know, back up the Brinks truck or whatever, you know, p- p- give him a bigger title and more money. Uh, the Also, according to The Athletic, is that uh, Vanderpool was a candidate to join join the, the Sixer staff in a similar position, obviously the position that was vacated by Monty Williams, who was the associate head coach who then took the job with the Suns. But he was on Brett Brown's. He was, you know, Brett in the neck, chair next to Brett Brown all year. So uh, looks like after years of being coveted as a head coach, or at least interviewed for a bunch of head coaching roles, Vanderpool finally got sort of took uh, the next small step up, which is, which is, becoming one of those high, very, you know, high-profile assistants, an even more well-known assistant. Um, I think a lot of people ask, what does this mean for the Blazers? I think it's hard to say. I don't think it's meaningless. I think uh, having a guy who works really closely with your star players lead the sta- leave the staff will have some meaning. Whether it has some sort of tangible effect, I don't know. It's hard to me. It's hard for me to predict. You know what that will mean. Now they're going to lose one and a half more games over the course of the next two seasons or something. You know, uh, I do think it. Ha- I, I do think it will be. I do think it will have an impact. I don't know if it'll have a tangible impact, and I don't want to speculate too much without having talked to Damon CJ about how they feel it will impact them. Also, likely means the Blazers. Someone on the Blazers staff uh, will get promoted to the front of the bench. Jim Moran is probably the guy next in line, if not John McCullough. Those are two names. We might see a promotion coming up for one of them. But that's the news. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them they can find it wherever they get podcasts, including the new Himalaya app, which you should download and check out now. Like I said, 10 days till the draft. We've got more fun stuff coming. I really appreciate you guys listening, and I'll talk to you soon.